Welcome out there, all you good movie buddies, to another episode of the Popcorn Diet Podcast. It is a podcast for those of you who live on a steady diet of popcorn and other various movie snacks, like my mother's favorite movie snack, snow caps. At least that's what it used to be. Um, I am Rick Williamson, your very best good movie buddy, and with me today, we have a special occasion. We have a guest host. That's right, my other good movie buddy, Mr. Jeremy Nakano. Hey guys, and I'm probably your worst movie buddy because I have hard opinions and you're probably wrong. He's, he's, Jeremy's coming in with the complete opposite mentality of, of the Popcorn Diet podcast, which is uh, our mentality is that, yeah, you can love weird movies and no one's really wrong. And Jeremy's just like, no, there is a right and wrong here. Yeah, no, no, it's black and white. <laughs> opinions can suck. Art, art is black and white. Yes. And you can have a bad opinion. <laughs> so this is going to be real fucking interesting today. Yes. Oh, it's also going to be probably super R-rated. Yeah. Uh, David is not one for throwing around the, the colorful commentary. I am I am there. I, I've been toning it down a little bit. Not on purpose. It just happened. But I, I already know, due to the subject matter of today, that I'm a fucking sailor. <laughs> it's going to get rough. It's going to get rough real quick. So I apologize to my mother, my aunts, any little cousins that might be listening to this, any small children. You should probably not be playing this on your drive to school. Um because, yeah, it's going to get fucking rough. Yeah, it really will be. I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry. No, no, nor should you be. We're, we're grown-ass individuals. We, we use adult language. Yes. And we watch R-rated movies. Oddly enough, the movie that we're talking about this week is not R-rated. Um, it is War for the Planet of the Apes. That was the movie that we saw. That's the hot movie out right now. The concluding chapter of this new, inexplicably good Planet of the Apes prequel trilogy. Uh, but before we get into that, one of the one of the things that's been popular kind of talking about uh, be, before this movie was coming out, and one of the things that I found interesting just reading up on this is the post-apocalyptic sort of the, <laughs> it's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine. <laughs> and that is interesting to me because, you know, the, uh, apocalypse movies or post-apocalypse movies are relatively popular. Uh, most most commonly and and you know the, the obviously the most popular box office wise were the Hunger Games movies. Literally the top 4 under the post-apocalyptic genre, you know, subject in but in terms of box office are the Hunger Games, you know, where some shit went down, society rebuilt into some terrible thing mm. and whatever. But you know, you know I think it's it, the fascination there. Mm -hmm. it, it's the end of the world, right? right? But it's all just role playing because in end of the world theories and, and whatnot, you get the, the, the nice uh, aspect of hindsight where True. you're like, oh, yeah, I mean, if I was dropped into that situation where I had to kill a bunch of people around me, I'd immediately go for that sword and just start hacking into my friend. But Everybody thinks they will would. Will you? No. Everybody thinks it would. And that's sort of, that's sort of, I think, what is one of my first questions is, is what what is the fascination behind these post-apocalypse movies? And I think you're right. I think there is a certain role-playing aspect to it. What would I do in this situation? Everybody loves to comment on, don't do this, do that, or don't trust that straggler down the road, kill him, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, but I also think there's a certain curiosity in our own demise. I think that there's a, a huge part of, of people who are uh, not openly interested, but like subconsciously, morbidly interested in thinking about 
how's it all going to end? Yeah, I mean, especially for people like me with like that the Gaston complex, like I'm bigger <laughs> than I I think I have this cartoon idea of who I am. It's true. Um, and imagining like what is what is it going to take a meteor to wipe me out? Probably. <laughs> like that is the kind of thoughts that I have as far as like post-apocalypse goes. Right. Because yeah, it's I mean it's great. Well, cuz like you I imagine you and, and not so much me um because I like I mean, well, I guess I mean even me, like I'd like to think that in the in the in the case of a zombie apocalypse, sure. I'd like to think I'd do okay. Like I'd like to think that I'd be relatively smart. I'd hunker down. Mm-hmm. I'd I'd lock it down right. and and be able to last last at the very least last. Yeah. Um, but there's I mean there's other types of apocalypse. I don't want to list. I'm gonna list. I'm actually. This is we're gonna we're gonna improv this a little bit here. Sure. I just pulled up a uh, a list of ten types of fictional apocalypses. Sure. All right. Yeah. And just to get the the folks a little bit more uh, familiar with who you are, <laughs> I'm gonna ask you how you think you do in each situation. Okay. Okay. Let's do it. Didn't prep you for this. This is purely off the cuff here. Perfect. Um. Some of the and the answer can't be. For everyone, I'd crush it. <laughs> no, no, don't worry. I have an imagination. Okay, yes, you game. do. I, that's why I'm not worried about it. I just want to put it out there. All right, number one. This is a, this is and this isn't listed in any order here. Um, I pulled this off of uh, of Io9, uh, which is a cool website if you want to go read some shit about fantasy and sci-fi. Um, but this list starts out with, and it kind of ties into War War for the Planet of the Apes. Sure. Plagues, plague wipes like wipes people out. Just straight. Sickness. Okay. That's your first apocalypse. Uh, okay, so is, if in a sickness apocalypse, yes. I'm doomed. <laughs> but I like to get, like, like let's say the rampaging is happening. Right. And I get swarmed. And I obviously, I, I fuck that swarm up. Like, those people right. are done because they're weak. But right. I catch the disease and I die. Can't do much about it. No. Your immune system, you can't lift weights with your immune system. Absolutely not. You cannot lift the flu away. You, you can't train just... your immune system. <laughs> and if contagion rolls by or outbreak rolls by and there's a goddamn monkey running around spitting on people, yep. you're done. Yep. And plus, if, if it's something that like diminishes my strength, right. I'll just end it. Extra fucked. <laughs> I'll just go out I'm early. I'm just going to end it. All right, cool. Um, okay, here's a different one. This one, this one is slow apocalypse otherwise known as a story of like a social collapse or slow environmental decline um which is basically kind of everyone's fear of our current society oh absolutely yeah so slow apocalypse i guess that's what they're calling it slow apocalypse okay slow apocalypse easy so with this one um, I'm gonna wind up the like some really corrupt leader of like a small town where human trafficking <laughs> is real big, where it's just like, oh, okay, you know, this person, uh, at most seventy kilos, uh, you can really just carry your ammo bag around with you. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. We're, we're just gonna call him uh, Gert. So you're going. <laughs> So, so you, in the situation of a slow apocalypse, you would immediately identify what the new currency is. Yes, people. It, it will be people, <laughs> and trade in said currency. Yes. I mean, you take the honorable route. You're just putting yourself in harm's way constantly. Right. But if you build a barrier of people in front of, of course, you, human shields, of course, you're going to be just fine. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Yeah. Women, children. Yeah. The weak. The weak. Of course. Specifically. Number three. Um. Let's say, let's just say, like the uh, 
the rapture. Okay. Certain people die or vanish off the face of the earth. Let's say half the earth just straight fucking disappears. Okay. That's gender side. Well, there's gender sides. So rapture, are we talking like religious apocalypse? Just any, or, or like the leftovers. Okay. Like sometimes it's a plague apocalypse. Okay. Because sometimes a sickness can wipe people out like that. Yeah. But other, but most commonly in the biblical, biblical sense, people yeah. are there and in a, literally a blink of an eye. Gone. Okay, now in this sense, uh, are is it like the dregs that are left, or is it like the good people that are left? That, well, that would be the question. Okay. Let's say, um, man, I don't know what the qualifier would be. I mean, it could be it could be a gender thing. It okay. could be a religion thing. Sure. Or it could... Okay, for... The, well, let's do it most fun. Totally random. Totally random. No seeming connection. So just 50% of the world Some Christians, some atheists, some Muslims, some women, some men, some gay people, some straight people, black, white, everybody. Just random. Poof. They're gone. Their shoes are only left. I don't know how this counts as an apocalypse, to be totally honest. I think the world will just kind of even out at that point. It would. It would. <laughs> as I frequently say, the world would just shrug its shoulders. It'd just be like, we're fine. Shrug off three billion people. <laughs> Global warming would immediately be solved. Yep. We'd have to pick up the fuselages of, of hundreds of planes. Yeah. There'd be plenty of death yeah. beyond just the vanished. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the world would kind of reset, but there's no event that's like destroying land masses or making the environment uninhabitable. Sure. uninhabitable. So that being the case, world moves on. And I feel like if all the men disappeared and you were the only one left, I feel like we don't even need to get into that scenario. Like, just... you are a willful, productive member of bringing society back to order. Absolutely. I would Conor McGregor walk around constantly. <laughs> Who wants babies? Oh, God. All right. Um, number four, technology fails. Let's do an EMP situation. Sure. Everything goes dark. Okay. World is dark. I'm probably going to die. Um, I'm not much of an outdoorsy folk. Um I kind of need to be inside, and, and for inside, I, I need lights. You need lights, um, central heating or central, cooling. Exactly, cooling specifically, especially here in Arizona. Yeah, I will die. It will suck. I it will suck. I mean, that's that's it. Like without technology, I'm I am a human that is born and raised on it. You're a gamer. I'm a You're gamer. a technology trainer. Yes. Literally, your eighty to ninety percent of your ent entire living yeah. life. I feel like for me it would be like a willful, like yeah, I'm I'm done with this. Because sure. like yeah, I, I can fish. I can start a fire. Do I want to do either of those things? No. Fuck no. And are there people better than me at it? Yeah, uh -huh. a lot better. Yeah. Um, all right, number five. Uh, I'm I'm not gonna do slow zombies because I feel like slow zombies. The thing about slow zombies, it is it's just a mass. Right. It's like a it's like a tsunami. Mm -hmm. Literally just a wave of nature. Sure. But fast um, well, I guess that makes slow zombies interesting if you put it in that context. Let's just say zombies. Fast, slow, whatever. Okay. Zombies. Uh with zombies you take the moral complications completely out of the window. Right. And because you do that, I succeed here. Um, <laughs> that neighbor who is kind of annoying and like gives like a ugh at me every time I see her outside, right. I'm going to put a bullet in her because you know what? You're a zombie now. Skin's kind of green. Yeah. No, there's no moral quandary. Absolutely. And with zombies, like technically the internet's probably going to be fine. So I'll be okay. Theoretically. Theoretically. Depending on how fast it, how fast it happens yeah we never see i guess fear the walking dead is kind of doing that kind of. but we've never seen a series that's truly like 
it's kind of like the strain. I don't know if you watched the strain, but the strain no. is essentially uh, vampires by way of zombies. Interesting. Um, where they infiltrate like high society, like businessmen and things like that, and they slowly begin like the internet starts like crackling in and out. Like there are worldwide outages because they're slowly fucking with the infrastructure. Right. That would be interesting to watch. That's not something we we typically see. Absolutely. Um, number six, uh, as opposed to no technology, our technology tries to kill us. The good old fashioned robot uprising. Oh, I'm getting converted. So what's gonna happen is is like they're gonna be like you know we're your new lords and masters. Right. Um, who wants to be mechanically enhanced? I'm in. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> Pump me. Put me. I don't care. Put me in the hive. Yeah. Give me cybernetic arms. Just just whatever make, you gotta just do. Give me a steel body and let me run amok. Okay. Usually the person like you in the movie isn't like well looked upon. No. But I recognize you do not give a shit. This is purely about survival. Yes. This one I don't really I don't really count, so I'm gonna skip it. But this one is humanity abandoning Earth. So like um like kind of like Firefly or, or even like Wally. Yeah. Like that's post apocalyptic, but like humanity for the most part is doing fine. Sure. We're living fat on the on the on a spaceship. Sure. And I feel like I feel like I would definitely happily live fat on a spaceship i mean that'd be great i mean it's it's the space cowboy scenario it's true so that's that's awesome uh uh atomic holocaust oh fallout yeah uh yeah pretty much yeah Fallout. War that kills or basically the larger category war that kills almost everyone fallout mad max that kind of concept yeah exactly um we kill the world kill the world so we're all for the most part toast at that point but i feel uh, procreate as much as possible and uh, let the bloodline go. I think that's it's pretty it. good because, like Atomic War, like you can't even go outside right. at all. Um, and so it's like that slow, like okay, you're gonna have to kill a few people just so you don't die right. because of some from starvation. Now, us being in Arizona, we're we're already at a benefit because we're not in a major metropolitan. Area. I mean, Phoenix is big. Right. Make no mistake about it. Phoenix probably gonna get hit, but for the most part, it's the coasts. That's true. The coasts are fucked. Okay. Like Middle America, amazingly enough, gonna be fine. <laughs> That's so unfortunate. Like we'll move to Nebraska. We'll be cool there. Nobody there's literally nobody will set off a nuke in Montana. There's nothing there. That's true. So except for our any Montana listeners, I apologize, you guys are great. A lot of dinosaur bones up there. <laughs> but uh but yeah, I think we, we would have a decent chance being in the suburbs of Phoenix yeah. of maybe surviving. Yeah, well I mean Or not getting a direct hit at least. At least, yeah. It'd be real hot. Yeah, we'd be fine probably for the most part. Probably some mutations. It's just it pushes that whole like procreate as much as possible. But we're also in Arizona. So because we're in Arizona, the heat's gonna kill us. The heat's gonna kill us. Arizona, I feel like if you're in the shade, you'd be all right. It's not gonna be great. That's true. But you might be okay. The elements and I don't get along. No, <laughs> neither do I. I don't care for them. Uh, number nine, natural disasters. So instead of an isolated natural disaster, sure. let's say a day after tomorrow or a geostorm. The upcoming film, Geostorm, where literally the entire world gets fucked. Okay. So unless we're combining apocalypses like machine apocalypse where I'm like I'm a big robot sure. with this – 
totally screwed. Me and the elements, number one, we don't get along. If it's right. too cold, I'm gonna be. I'm just gonna fall asleep. Right. If Best it, way to die. Yeah. If there's meteors hitting the ground, unless I can punch them out of the sky with robot powers, right. Not gonna fucking happen. I'm just, I'm just gonna let it be. Yep. I'm you just, can't fight an earthquake. Yeah. I'm gonna find the one where I know it's gonna hit. And I'm gonna stand right in the center. Right in the center of it. I'm going to California immediately, <laughs> and I'm going to the. I'm going to the top of the tallest building. Yep. The oldest tallest building. Um, okay, and then the last one, uh, and I think you'll like this one. Sure. Uh, I'm just going to kind of categorize it as the kaiju. Monsters, oh. aliens, the giant. The, I mean, this is almost the same answer as forces of nature. Sure. Unless I posit to you a Pacific Rim scenario where there is a draft or you can sign up to fight them. Oh yeah, no. Put me, put me in, put me in a Jaeger. Yeah, I will sense. not die on the wall. Put me in a Jaeger. <laughs> I don't care if I go down. If I get to go down fighting in a giant robot suit, sharing my most intimate secrets with whomever, that's right. fine. I uh, doesn't matter. I got, I got to fight a typhoon. It's fine. You gotta fight the literal physical embodiment of a typhoon. Yes. Um, so there's so many interesting <laughs> ways that the world can end in movies. Uh, and so I think that's a pretty good summary yeah. of all the different ways the world can end. Now, before we move on, yes. I have one for you okay. that you didn't cover on the list that I that I kind of thought about okay. beforehand, which is the supernatural version of the Ooh. apocalypse. So people start getting magic powers. Oh, shit. Uh, think, you know, Dungeons and Dragons. Almost stuff like, like that. okay. Oh, okay. So uh, could I could I say, I know you probably don't watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I do. Actually. So Oh, you do. So yeah. the Inhumans. So yeah. in the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., basically the, the these mists break out all over the world, for those of you who don't know, and they trigger this alien genome in a certain level of the population, and they get superpowers. Mm -hmm. um, number one, I, I would hope that I would get superpowers of some kind. Uh, let's just say uh, pick one. Or two. Uh, oh, shit. Um, oh, fuck. Uh, I want Professor X's powers. No, pick one or two. One or two. Just the number one or two. Oh, okay, two. You have superpowers. Oh, okay. Well, I'm fucking in. I'll, yeah. I'll join. <laughs> I'll join a super team. I'm open and willing. I'll find new jobs. I'll, I'll, I'll fucking join the UFC. Like you know, whatever. I'm gonna take advantage of this shit. I'm yeah. gonna. Be like, who do, who needs help? I, I feel like I would, and depending on what the powers are, I feel like I would be uh, pretty much chaotic neutral in terms of what I would do with them. Like, I'd probably rob a fucking bank. Like, it probably, <laughs> that's a victimless crime, Jeremy. Yeah. That, that money is, that money is insured. Mm -hmm. Like, I would just tell everyone, you know what? Everybody freeze. You, go ahead and open the door for me. I'm going to take, you know, $500,000. I'm not a greedy man. I just want a little bit, just enough to get by. Right. And then, like, if I see some bad shit happening, I would stop them. But I got to look out for number one. Um, that's pretty much how I would operate. So straight impulse. Like, <laughs> just straight impulse. Because I, you know me. I like, I like, I don't like seeing injustice. I don't right. like seeing bad people do shitty things to other people. Mm -hmm. But yet at the same time, I got to look out for me. Oh, yeah. Like I, I gotta, I gotta be able to profit off of this in some way, shape, or form. Whether it be buying a lottery ticket and controlling the numbers that are picked or whatever, I would find a way to rig the system. Okay. And and become rich and famous. I would basically turn into, um, oh fuck, I would. Um, uh, Nathan Fillion actually was gonna portray him in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. You might go online and see all the fake movie posters. Yeah. He was gonna be in Simon Williams. 
is his name. Um, and Simon Williams, Simon Williams, Marvel, is actually the name of a character. Oh, it's not it's not Power Man. It's it's better. It's Wonder Man. And so he is literally a he's a super powered individual who is a celebrity. I feel like I would go that route. I would I would happily like I, you know I I feel like fortune and glory kid. It's like uh, uh, John Mulaney once said like Donald Trump is the uh, is what like people without money think rich people are like that's what a rich person thinks a rich right. person does. <laughs> like that's how I feel like kids are like oh if like one like. You know, it's always like times infinity. So, like, right. I'm a movie star and I have powers. <laughs> well, you give me powers, I'm gonna turn it. I'm gonna turn myself into a star. I guarantee yeah. it. Oh, like guy from The Watchmen. Uh, oh the, yeah, the, the most intelligent man in the world. Osmandius. Osmandius. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He uses his super intelligence to build an, an empire. Yes. To become Alexander the Great. God, um, it's a great. It's a great. So book. good. It's a great movie. Um, now. Before we get into some of the social media responses to what other people's favorite end of the world movies were, I wanted to know specifically, and I don't know because I, I know you were looking at top 10 movies, sure. but I want to know specifically just to like, because I think we've already gotten a really good idea of yeah. who you are by your answers to these <laughs> questions. But I want I want the listeners to get an idea of who you are. Tell us some of your favorite movies, uh, 5, 10, whatever you got. We want to know your favorite movies. Just, what your just where, in general? Where your tastes lie. Okay, sure. Oh, hold on. Let me pull out my list. Where yeah. do you take... And you did notes. In, in, in all honesty, motherfucker prepared for this. Better more, this. more so than me and David do. And we do a little bit of prep. But uh, you got lists. And you, got, you got stuff here. I, I appreciate I, that. Um, number five, Starship Troopers. Perfect. Now, why? Um, okay. <laughs> because there's two answers to that question. First of all, as I got older... Uh, it, Best political satire because, ever created. Yeah. Because I was younger, boobs. boobs I got to see boobs blood, for the first time on the big screen. Giant bugs. Aliens. Yep. Awesome. Yep. Just love it. It's a movie that keeps on giving. That's that's great for one reason when you're a kid, because I saw that movie in theaters. We talked about that on one of our episodes where my dad took me to that movie <laughs> not realizing what exactly it was. Um, and as you said, it turned out to be, as we grew older, one of the best Polit not only satires on politics, but also just action movies in general. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's just, fantastic. And, and quotability is out, oh, absolutely. out through the roof. Um, no, and this one, number four here, I, I didn't expect this to get here, uh, but Pacific Rim. Okay. Um, it's a movie I can turn on at any time. Yep. Watch the whole thing. Uh, and you get to watch big robots beat the shit out of big monsters. And it's cool. And it doesn't apologize for it. It doesn't. And the effects are so good that you can't help but be on board. It's great. I'm in. Great think... cast. Guillermo del Toro. We saw we saw a preview for Guillermo's next movie oh, yeah. when we saw War. Oh, my God. Yes. The Shape of Water. Yes. Oh, Guillermo. It's going to be crazy. I love you, man. Like, love love Monster Fish. It's weird. Yeah. Love, love uh, uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon love story. All right. And I totally misnumbered stuff. But That's all right. Next one. Uh, and to no surprise, Rocky Four. <laughs> okay, three montages and one of the best fight scenes ever. One after another. Yes. montages. Yes, there's like act like twelve actually written lines. There's in the, the movie. there's the first montage where he's he's oh, so uh, Apollo's dead. It's just yeah. no easy way out. Yes, and then there's a first training montage followed by two yes. lines followed by second training montage. 
Yeah. I've never wanted to strap a log to my back and no. wait through snow more than that. No. Did you know they actually pulled that from... Uh, uh, 80s 80s movie about wrestling, right? Yes. They... Um, what is it? Uh, oh, God. No Holds Barred? No. No. No, 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 no. Wrestling. Um, yeah, it's about a high school wrestler. I don't know. Uh, but, yes. other trivia fact, the U.S. men's Olympics team... Certain, I don't, not all of them, but some of them adopted that training style. Just we're going to train in a cabin with logs and shit. That's a real thing that happened oh my God. after that. Oh my God. Yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I have so much more respect for that now. Um, and I, yeah, anyway, um, uh, next one The Watchmen. Number one, the comedian is one of the best characters in any comic book film ever. The acting behind that is incredible. The 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 fact that yeah he's this super strong this heroic figure, but damn is he actually a villain? Right, he's and a horrible person who horrible does person. good things for the right people, but is for all the, the wrong reasons. Biggest piece of shit. Yes, yeah. he is a complete. He's just a parody of human nature, and it's. It was one of the most powerful films I've ever seen. Now, there are some really weird moments. Again, boobs, I get some. Yeah. Um, the, Sex in the spacecraft. Yes, and like when they when they push the button and the little fire, and the fire comes, comes out. out like it's not too subtle there no. with your imagery, Zack Snyder. <laughs> but but it was really fun. It is. Um probably Zack Snyder's best movie. I mean probably. Yeah. Because it's either three hundred or Man of Steel. I mean three hundred was pretty great. Three hundred's pretty great. Yeah. Like just from a pure yeah, I mean, 300 standpoint. Uh, well, I got out of that movie like, I'm ready to fucking stab people. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to do crunches <laughs> and sword fight. Yeah, I'm so excited. Um, anyway, next one to no uh, surprise is Jurassic Park. Oh, of course not. I watched that movie every day for a year after yep. school on a crappy VHS tape. And uh, number one, quotability. Number yep. two, it's funny. Number three, Dr. Grant is the best. Um and just everything about music is yep. out of control good. All of it. And then finally, at the top of my list, you know this one very well. I talk about it more than enough. Master and Commander in the Far Side of the World. Not a surprise. Because this movie, musically, is incredible. Is one of the most well-acted films. It takes up a lot of, but like, a few really big names and, no, like, tons of no names. The right. cast of this movie is gigantic. And, and you feel like you get to know everybody yep. because they show them at highs and they show them at lows and the ship combat is just the best. And when they die, it matters. Yes. You feel so attached to these characters. Mm -hmm. Now, as far as like sound is concerned, the voices are kind of low and the action is kind of loud. So it's kind of hard to find that medium when you're just watching it at sure. home. But it didn't get the love it genuinely deserved in the box. It had, it had the unfortunate... The unfortunate um, timing to come out when Return of the King came out. Fuck that. It's like my, ah! it's like my favorite movie, <laughs> LA Confidential, had the unfortunate timing of coming out when Titanic did. That, that you got to just get out of the way of that ghost army because yeah. they're going to fuck everything up. And that ghost army wasn't even cool. Like It was like, oh, a fucking game genie. Yeah, win. that's a cheat code. <laughs> fucking game wizard at the end of that battle. Damn it. That's so weak. Um, I agree with you. It's actually interesting that you bring up Master and Commander because I'm going to make a... A point about about adult franchises. Okay. Uh, in a little bit. Cool. Um, that's an excellent list. Uh, and uh, and so what we want to do is we want to take the opportunity, kind of segue from that and segue from our talk of apocalypse movies. Uh, we asked you, we asked the readers, the listeners, what your favorite apocalyptic movie of all time was. Shockingly enough, I don't think we got a single Hunger Games. Well, I mean that movie series is cool, but it's not that. 
Yeah, the but the story st- isn't like it doesn't feel like it's great. It doesn't feel like it's an apocalypse, a post-apocalyptic movie, even though it very much is. I personally yeah. feel that. Like right. it feels more of just like a straight sci-fi. Yeah. That being said, uh, we had all of our platforms as always. You can follow us on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram at the Popcorn Diet. We're always trying to update it with with new articles, with new questions that we want you to answer so that we can read them off for the podcast. And we got some responses all across the board here. Uh, Twitter user Bronski, when answering the question of what's your favorite apocalypse film, this is a great answer. Wally. Hashtag, oh. hashtag better love story than Twilight. That this is, is true. so great. No, no. And, and uh, it actually kind of goes along with what we're going to talk about today, but movies with very little words in it. Yes. Or no words at all. Yes. Have conveyed, I mean, they took imagery and conveyed something so beautiful. They were able to use sound. They were able to use uh, physicality to, to explain and to kind of tell the story, uh, which you're right, fits perfectly in with War of the Planet of the Apes. Uh, Robert Ensley on Facebook uh, answered 12 Monkeys. Ooh. 12 Monkeys is a really good one. Um, I don't think he was the only one to mention that. Maybe he was. Um, but we we also have quite a few people. Uh, Eric uh, Varela, Children of Men. We talked about this the other day. One of the most underrated films maybe ever. Ever. Certainly in the past 10, 20 years. It is. I mean, just the like the, the 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 scene when he's carrying the baby through the broken building. Right. And all the fighting just stops. Just stops. And it's it's that it's like it's the when they use sound like that in movies that is just so incredible. It's like right. Star Trek when the ships are flying at each other, no sound, no sound. And, and like, this is Whoa. just everyone stops. Alfonso Cuarón, one of the best directors, one of, director of one of my favorite movies, Gravity, but also like Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, amazing, a fucking amazing director, mm-hmm. put that together. So that's obviously you got to bring up Children of Men. Uh, some of the other ones, Miranda Chester brought up World War Z, Zombie Apocalypse. Yep. Kevin Collier brought up The Book of Eli. Excellent. A oh. really good one, really kind of underrated as well. Yes. Uh, Casey Starcher brought up Shaun of the Dead, uh, If one of, if not the best comedic apocalypse film. There's not many. The queen scene? Yeah. When, the, when they're fighting the zombies with the pool yeah. sticks? Yep. Oh, my God. There's uh, Which we, we talked about in our Baby Driver episode, how Edgar Wright, even all the way back then, was timing scenes to to music beats. Yes. Uh, kind of prologuing what he did with Baby Driver. <laughs> I think the only other comedic post-apocalyptic movie would be This Is The End with Seth Rogen and James Franco and stuff like that. Which was genuinely one of the funniest films yeah, I've ever watched. Insanely funny. <laughs> um, who else do we got? Jansen Lewis said Walking Dead, which is a television show. And you know what? I'm not going to get mad about it. But I will say The Walking Dead is misery porn yes it is it is the thing about a zombie apocalypse is that it can it should only be told in short isolated stories yeah. about people dealing with it if you're not going to give us an end game that is worthwhile yeah stop telling us eight seasons of this shit also let me just get a little close and tell you guys all this the zombie apocalypse thing is fucking over it's get over. over it uh drew streeter brought up zombie land oh there's another post-apocalyptic comedy yeah uh um, great oh this is a good one this is one we didn't mention dustin deal brings up reign of fire oh no okay. yes <laughs> yes i remember watching this movie uh and loving every second of it uh mcconaughey knocks it out of the park crushes it being this over like you don't even recognize him in no. this movie because he's so jacked right um, doing the suicidal leap into a dragon's mouth. Spoiler then, alert. 
Yeah. Uh, and if and if like and it wasn't surprising. No. You see it happen, you're like, oh. That, oh shit. That was rad. Oh. <laughs> that was a movie that made McConaughey like serious to me. Like, oh yeah. shit, this is not just like rom com McConaughey. McConaughey did, lifts, lifted some weights and shaved his head. Something interesting. Uh, was it Christian Bale? Christian Bale. Christian Bale, another body morphology mm-hmm. freak, plays the little guy. Mm-hmm. And Matthew McConaughey, who's normally the little guy, plays the big guy. Plays the big guy. Maybe they were just kind of vibing off each other for Maybe. It. Do you know who plays Christian Bale's best friend? Do you remember? No. Gerard Butler. What? Yep. Oh, well, God, it's all Who, like, them. dies halfway through. <laughs> like, he's just the other guy. Oh, my God. It's crazy. <laughs> um, so, yes, that might be my favorite answer. Rain of Fire might be my favorite answer. Beautiful. Austin Frankie, motherfucker, goes uh, Doctor Strange Love, which I don't think is post apocalyptic. I think that's pre apocalyptic. Right. But it's still, I mean, I'll accept it. I don't know. I'll accept nope, it. Nope, you're wrong. <laughs> and then uh, the last one, Chadwick Blight uh, mentioned The Stand. Good old Stephen King. I've actually never watched it. Uh, well, I believe The Stand is actually a TV movie. It was like a miniseries. Interesting. Um, so I'll count it. I'll allow it. Uh, but yeah, those are some really good pieces of feedback. And again, uh, we're always looking for followers. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Uh, tell your kids. Tell your wife. Uh, <laughs> Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at The Popcorn Diet. Uh, that brings us to the movie of the week. The the magnum opus, the finale, the closing chapter Thank God. Of, of the Planet of the Apes trilogy, this new Planet of the Apes trilogy. Yeah. And um, now you, um, I mean, let's just get it out of the way right now, right? You are a, a humanist. Yes. Yes. I, I believe in humanity. Um, of all the apocalypse scenarios, this yeah. is the dumbest one. <laughs> Let's just put that out there because apes inheriting the earth is um, awful. Just <laughs> it, it wouldn't happen. Humanity is more than likely to literally blow the planet sky high or invent magical powers before apes rule the world. Now, we'll get into spoilers a little bit later. We're going to start non-spoilers, but I feel like they did a pretty good job of at least stacking the deck against humanity in this one yeah because you kind of have to yeah if it was just some humanity dies and the apes got smarter i would agree with you right but it's more than that but did you now i was watching it's actually i brought up snow caps at the beginning of this episode as my mother's favorite snack because she loves the planet of the apes movie she's got the box set of the original right do you remember the original at all did you watch yeah. the original at i love the i mean the original movies were great Okay. And the reason I liked the original movies was because you didn't know how humanity got wiped out. I right. figured we just like kind of starved eventually, or we left, or we just died and sure. killed each other off essentially. Um, and that's why I had no problem with that series. Um, and I don't think I really developed a real hatred for the series until it was that the Marky Mark version came out. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Well, the plan, the original Planet of the Apes series was about. It, it had social commentary, right. like the even the original had social commentary on race relations, uh, and then it got into atomic warfare and and you know the fallout of of, of nukes and and it got into and it, and then it kind of cycled back around because that I mean that original series is fucking bananas because yeah. they blow up the Earth I think in the in the second or third one, uh, third one second one. Second the one. second one that concluded by the planet's nuclear nuclear destruction. Oh. Nu- nuclear. 
Nuclear. Nuclear. Nuclear. Nuclear. Yeah, that's what I thought it was. Nuclear. <laughs> it blew. They blew it the fuck up, right? But yeah. then the third one after that posits that three apes escaped in Charlton Heston's old ship through a wormhole back to fucking 70s Earth. And then they ended up being the cycle. They kind of started cycling and they were the it's 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 a chicken before the egg situation. Okay. Where they ended up sort of being the cause of Earth going towards the planet of the apes and whatnot. Um because you had God, you had the Planet of the Apes beneath the Planet of the Apes. Escape from the Planet of the Apes was the one where the three apes came to Earth. Um, okay. And then, what if we just let, let, let's just say here, let's let's just Rocky Five that version. Yeah. And just forget it exists. Well, it's kind of, I mean, pretty much <laughs> what happened. Well, it's at least it's what they tried to do with Tim Burton's remake, uh, which removed all of the social commentary, with the exception of like I guess gun violence. Maybe. Because the apes were like, we don't use guns. Until that one asshole ape grabbed a gun and started shooting people, right? right? But it was more about, I mean, the human humanity could talk, which uh-huh. was dumb. Yeah, I mean, if humanity can talk, we win. It was poorly cast, some of it. I think all of the apes were amazingly cast. Yes. Michael Clark Duncan, Paul Giamatti, yeah. Tim Roth, Helena Bonham Carter. Listen, I'm going to go out here. I'm going to say this. I'm going to put it out to the world. Oh. I know. I don't give a fuck. Helena Bonham Carter is more attractive as an ape than she is... As a human being. And listen, that's a personal preference. Okay. Helena Bonham Carter is great. She's beautiful. But I'm not going to lie. I was attracted to that ape. Now, I, had a, I have a weird question. In the first planet or in, in the first planet of the apes, yes. did, did Heston smash with the, with the lady ape? Uh, no. It was the – she had – he found Nova. He found Nova. Yeah, okay. Nova was the lady the, – the human lady who couldn't talk. Right. Okay, um, okay. So there was there was none of that. And technically Marky Mark did not, did not smash with lady ape, although they smooched. Yes. Because there was this weird love triangle between him, the Lady Ape, and then the the blonde chick played by Estella Warren, right. who, let's not get through that. Let's not get down that rabbit hole. Uh, but on the case of Helena Bottom Carter, no. No. Come on. She's a monkey. I know, but, uh, like, uh, we pulled up the picture. Rick, this is how AIDS happened. <laughs> Some asshole decided he wanted to fuck a monkey. <laughs> And that's how, and that's how we got the the monkey flu. Yes, and that's. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I will tell you, did you know this about Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes? Obviously, one of the uh, one of the biggest unanswered cliffhangers of uh-huh. all time, which only makes me more mad at that movie. But did you know that that cliffhanger was actually very close, if not almost exactly the same as the cliffhanger in the Planet of the Apes book? Because there was a book. Interesting. It was uh, Planet of the Apes was written by, I'm not going to be able to fucking pronounce his name, Pierre Boyer, okay. uh, who wrote Bridge Over the River Kwai oh. as well. But he wrote La Planet des Singes, which is fucking Planet of the Apes. And in that movie, it ends with the spaceman getting back to Earth and modern day Earth being populated with apes. Oh. So there was no ape Lincoln as as there was like that but it was closer to the end of that book so i kind of got a little bit more respect for it for that okay like they decided to go with the, the original book and be accurate to the book but that movie's a fucking headache so if there's and if there's one thing about the original series and i'm really glad they didn't have the money to handle it which there was actually supposed to be a uh, a, a futuristic city of apes okay in the place where heston lands there was supposed to be an actual like 
a metropolis, gotcha. essentially. A uh, functioning society. A functioning society of apes, not this like huts and shit that they did in the original. Um, but if they did do that, I would have had a big fucking problem with that movie. With with apes being coming technologically superior? Yeah, I don't care how many 200 years they had. It was set in like 30, like what year was It was, was like that? 2497. Yeah, it was set in the way future. Theoretically, the way future. Um, <laughs> thus, so we did that. That They never made a sequel. It, even though it made a lot of money. I mean, it made like... Three hundred seventy-five million dollars and made a good amount of money. That's ludicrous. I mean, I went and saw it. I saw it. Yeah, yeah. I was pumped. I was like, "Yeah, Planet of the Apes makeup and the makeup is amazing." And absolutely, it. effects, makeup, everything. Effects, was great. makeup, the way that they made the apes run faster than the humans by literally having stunt people run along like a carpet that was being dragged behind a truck. Oh, what they... crazy shit! Wow, that they did. That's cool for that movie. Um, they just never made a sequel, thus bringing us. To this trilogy. Mm -hmm. And now, full disclosure here, you have not seen two out of these three movies. Absolutely not. You have not seen Star Wars and the Empire Strikes Back. You just went straight to Return of the Jedi. Yeah. uh, Which is interesting. (laughs) Because... I I read the cliff notes. It's fine. You read the cliff notes. I gave you the the abbreviated version. But (laughs) this Planet of the Apes trilogy, when it was announced, everyone was kind of just like, Really? Like, especially with the bad taste of, like, it was 10 years after Tim Burton's version, but people still had a, kind of a bad taste in their mouth about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they realized, then they heard that, like, as, oh, oh, and when they were like, James Franco's going to be the lead. People were like, what the fuck? <laughs> Fucking who? <But> then <laughs> Andy Serkis is going to play Caesar using motion capture technology. Oh, people are more interested because Andy Serkis has been, obviously was amazing as Gollum. Mm-hmm. And has been pioneering motion uh, capture technology uh, for actors ever since the early 2000s. Ever since Peter Jackson brought him on as Gollum, he's literally fallen in love with the with the technology. Yeah, I mean the technology from these movies alone is kind of I feel like what the series has carried itself on for Absolutely. so long. It's just they're just really cool looking movies. Yeah. Granted, I've only seen one, but I've I saw the previews the of the other ones. Like, they look pretty cool. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the thing that surprised everybody with this series is that the first one was directed by Rupert Wyatt. Um, and obviously, it kind of had a very, it had an interesting cast. James Frankel, people were kind of weird about. Yeah. But it had uh, Tom Felton in it, it had Brian Cox in it. It had a lot of people in it. And it turned out to be a solid, surprisingly solid sort of prequel reboot to this, to this Apes thing. Um, and then Matt Reeves took over as director. And Matt Reeves, uh, I don't know if you know this, but Matt Reeves was the director of um, <laughs> of Cloverfield. That's Which where, was great. That's where he got his start, Yeah, um, is with Cloverfield. And he went straight from Cloverfield. He did the, the remake of Let the Right One In, which was Let Me In, which is just pretty much a straight remake. It's not good nor bad. It's, mm. it's, 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 it is what it is. Okay. Um, and then he went straight into this, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes and War of the Planet of the Apes. And that guy, Matt Reeves can direct. That guy can put, that fucking guy can compose a scene. Yeah. He um, can paint a picture. I mean, that's how I feel as far as like the strength of that movie. It's right. Visually, you're just like, what? Yeah. It's just, a, I mean, both Dawn and, and War are just gorgeous movies, whether they're set... Dawn is mostly set in in the forests and in um, San Francisco has basically become ruined. Right. Like overgrown. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And Dawn was sort of the start of it. Dawn was the escalation and then now brings us to war. Yes. And War of the Planet of the Apes, like, I'm not, I'll just throw it out right now. War of the Planet of the Apes is being heralded. It's being heralded as uh, the capper of one of the best new trilogies of the last 10 to 20 years in terms of consistency and in terms of quality. Um, it's been, it's it's certified fresh, great reviews all, all around. Uh, it is, as you said, as you can agree, a gorgeous film. Yes. I mean, it's rare enough for something that ends a series to be good. Right. I mean, just for instance, what Return of the Jedi, right? Uh, the Matrix Three. Yep. Um, it's all, hard. It's God, hard. Even fucking Godfather Three. Uh, Twilight, that fourth one with the weird baby. Yeah. Right? The, mm, yeah. <laughs> Not that I've seen it because I haven't, but I know what you're talking about. Yes. Um, I personally loved it. I I now I carry. I went through these these first two movies. Um, I I. This character of Caesar, this is his trilogy. It's not the humans' trilogy. It's not humanity's trilogy. It is Caesar going from literally a baby into what he is in war, which is weathered, beaten down, tired, weary. Like, I don't want to fight. I just want to go with my family. I'm this, I'm this, I've, this, this greatness has been thrust upon me. And I have this entire society looking at me. And then shit goes south. And all that he's worked for, all, all that he's always fought with in his consciousness, he's said, fuck it. And he goes out and he's out for revenge. And he's just he's just fueled by this rage. And seeing that character arc and seeing what Circus does and being able to look into a completely digital character's eyes. It's amazing to me. It's amazing that they can have a marriage of actor and visual effects artist very, very similarly to the same way that you have between actor and makeup artist. Um, obviously, visual effects artists, uh, makeup artists only do one thing. They do makeup. And and that could mean a number of things they do. They age people up. They age people down. You know, makeup is means so many different things. But visual effects, mm-hmm. most of the time, people are just like, eh, giant robots, explosions, Titanic. Right. Visual effects. But now it's become actually helping these actors create characters. Yeah. Um, and I find that to be super interesting, uh, which is not getting into the story yet. Right. Uh, but uh, coming in as somebody who is a very much a humanist who hadn't watched the previous two films, what'd you think? All right. So honest opinion, uh, I was actually very satisfied with the film. Uh, it, it addresses everything as far as concerns are that were mine um <laughs> maybe i would have given it an alternative title but sure that's uh, a good point we can talk about that how yeah. there's it, there really is no war like if anything like rise should have been rise the second one should have been war and this third one should have been dawn or you could have yeah. mixed up the titles a yeah, little bit mix up the titles considerably um, but for the most part, like I was impressed that how good the movie was. Right. Um, I, it was just hard for me to really care sure. about it sure. because they're apes; they're not people. And you only saw two of the three, one of the three movies. <laughs> and I only saw the one. I feel like that's a huge, <laughs> like that's a huge discount. That like one, one hundred percent. Like I knew you were gonna like. You're like fuck the apes. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. Totally get it. On the other hand, you haven't seen the other two movies. It's true. So it's this weird impasse. Yeah, and we're going to get to it. But yeah. Like, 
Look, I'm a crier when it comes to movies. For sure. I love to shed a tear in emotional yep. moments. It's, it feels good to do that. It feels mm-hmm. human. But this movie couldn't pull it out of me. And there were some very powerfully, like I recognize there are very powerful emotional pull, like, right. pulls in this movie. Right. There are moments. There are moments where you're just like, wow, I should be bawling. I got real tight chested a couple times. Like right. I got real close. I didn't do it. I did not roll a tear this time. There were a couple times where I got real close. And that is with all of the... The wait, and I don't. I wouldn't consider myself a crier, although I have. I did cry in Terminator Two. It's <laughs> pretty much a good barometer for that. Um, but in my opinion, I think that uh, the I mean, it's, it's it's such a great capper because you get to see the payoff of everything that happened from movie one. You get characters like Rocket and Maurice, who Maurice started out, he always started out as the second smartest ape next to Caesar, so became Caesar's confidant almost immediately. But Rocket's relationship was super interesting because Rocket started out as an antagonist. Rocket started out as the alpha of the sanctuary who who he was, uh, Caesar was put in. And Caesar basically beat his ass and took control, but still kept Rocket in the fold. And to see Rocket evolve into his one of his fiercest and most loyal lieutenants is super cool. Um, and then obviously Woody Harrelson, you know, the performances, the direction is what makes this movie, the direction and the performances. And I feel like you couldn't have one without the other. And I love when we get serious Woody Harrelson. Oh, yeah. Woody Harrelson is has, has the ability that very few people have to be able to go full comedic or full serious and be effective in both. Like you get... Um, you get Kingpin Woody Harrelson, which is literally one of the dumbest <laughs> fucking movies ever made. Right. It's great, yeah. but it's dumber than a bag of hammers. Yeah. And then you have True Detective Woody Harrelson, who's getting nominated for Emmys and Golden Globes and absolutely mm-hmm. crushing it. And serious Woody Harrelson here crushes it. You know, if there's one thing about Woody Harrelson in this movie that was kind of off-putting, it was his beard. You didn't like his beard? You didn't like the bald beard look? No, no. The bald beard look is fine. Like, I think that as far as, like, dude's look goes, that's alpha. Sure. Alpha as fuck. Right. But, like, his beard, number one, is blonde. Right. Number two, it's patchy. Number three, it made him look like a fat baby in certain angles. <laughs> I guess I could see that. I guess I could kind of see that. I mean, this this is just cheap shots because he was fucking great. Right, he in was this great movie. in it. He was ex- excellent in it. Um, the new additions, uh, the girl oh. whose name is tied directly into the original series, was fantastic. The mute girl who they come across. Oh, she she was the reason I got really into the movie. Yeah. The, hu- the human? The human. Sure. <laughs> yes. <laughs> As tends to be. She was a star. An absolute um, star. She was excellent, and she didn't say a word. Nope. She did it all in her eyes and in her emotions. It was very difficult to find in a in a child actor, yeah. and she crushed it. Um, my favorite addition beyond Woody Harrelson as the antagonist was Bad Ape. Steve Zahn as Bad Ape was, was a, a great way to show that this story exists in a larger world. Yeah. Because pretty much this story was all set in and around Northern California. Right. All the whole trilogy. The whole trilogy is in San Francisco and they escape into the Redwood Forest. The second movie is they're in the Redwoods and San Francisco. And this third movie, like they're still in the Redwoods and they end up going to a California border anyways. Okay. Um, so to to find Bad Ape and who talks, who can talk, who can put together decent sentences. Um, and to realize that Caesar's intelligence and the intelligence of apes in general has spread to the outside world 
kind of still kind of brings that world together mm-hmm. to, to show that this isn't an isolated incident. This is a worldwide thing that is happening. Not to mention he's fucking hilarious. Yeah. Oh no, um, he he was he was the the he and he and the 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 female um, human were the light of this movie. Right. As far in a very dark film. Right. Well, it's all about rage and vengeance. Yeah. Like this is a movie that came out in July. <laughs> and it's and it's got explosions. Yeah. But for the most part, it's got some big fucking explosions. Oh yeah. But for the most part, it's like a story of vengeance and rage. And you have to have these lighthearted characters. Um and that kind of brings me back to my last point that I want to make before we go into spoilers a little bit. Sure. Which is I genuinely think, and again, you haven't seen seen the entire trilogy, but we were just we were talking about Master and Commander, mm-hmm. how that was an attempt to build a franchise that was for adults. Right. And not like a franchise for adults like Die Hard is rated R. Right. Like serious, legitimate, dramatic prestige franchise where we could keep making more and more and more and they are amazingly shot they're amazingly directed they have strong characteristics all of those all of the things that this film has that master and commander had and you have this trilogy which has quietly become like the in my opinion one of the better if not the best uh kind of adult focused trilogies just in terms of themes you know and like there's nothing for a, a 12 year old or, or, or 10 year there are kids in our theater i'm like they don't fucking care about this movie absolutely not the kids gonna look at that number one there were kids crying because the, their faces are scary right i remember being a kid i remember being scared of stupid stuff and i was and i would have been scared of that when i was a kid right for sure i, I was scared of job of the fucking hut when i was a little kid <laughs> and uh, you just get close-ups on ape faces so, yeah, no, I mean, this is definitely an adult series, but, I mean, what do we have to compare it against right now? I mean, there's not much. There isn't really any. No, because all franchises are all... Young adults. Boom, boom, pow, pow, young... Either They're either YA novels about angsty teenagers dealing Please, with bullshit, brother. or they're fucking explosion, you know, ha-ha, abraca, fuck you, yeah. <laughs> that are, are literally just loud. Or you get something in the middle, like Marvel. Marvel is consistently making great films right. that fit a very specific mold. Yeah, the mold that is everyone can fit. Right. Marvel is pants. Right. You can just put them on and it feels great. Right, and it feels great. But War, but these Planet of the Apes movies are all been super successful. They've all made, uh, Rise almost made $500 million worldwide. The second one made three quarters of a million dollars. I imagine this one will probably tap out at around 600 worldwide. Probably. This one actually costs $60 million less to make. It only costs $150 million. So it's an affordable blockbuster too, which is something that is very, very rare. Yeah. But I think in terms of you're looking at strong centralized characters with internal conflict as much as external conflict and and as well reviewed as these movies are, we're talking 81%, 90%, 95% on Rotten Tomatoes, they really oddly enough aren't talked about a lot. Like especially they're not recognized and this is one of my biggest reasons why I hate the Academy, they're not recognized by the Academy. Neither of these films have won a visual effects Oscar. Which is kind of fucking amazing. It's to a me. travesty. Like, because they look great. Right, but I mean, in their, in 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 the defense of the academy, they were going up against movies like Interstellar and shit like that, which is 
Sorry. This is amazing. I mean, Interstellar is, they had literally a, a paintbrush they can just go, I pretend this is happening. Right, it's space. It's space. It, it, it's, it, and they went into areas in that movie that are just not formative. They're theoretical. It's, everything's theoretical. Yeah. Whereas this movie takes basically the last of us minus the fungus people. Right. Um, and then puts it on a screen and fills it with actual things that kind of exist. Right. And kind of nailed it. Is... And with and makes actual and and you said like the four main four or five main ape characters really hit the mark for you. Yeah. Some of the other background apes maybe not so much. Right. Um but like I I personally think that people like people who give out awards and shit they don't know how to marry the actor versus the award. Because I think Andy Serkis deserves an Oscar. I think he at least deserves a nomination for being able to put together such a strong, subtle, emotional performance as a fucking ape. Yeah, um, there's something to be said about, uh, and this was a point that I was going to bring up later, but people were freaking out over the Dark, uh, over, uh, what, what was it? The Dark Knight Rises, the third Batman yeah. of the Dark Knight. Um where they talk about Bane, how hard it is to act with a mask on right. and be good. Which is true. It's Yet all in your eyes. All of these people are wearing suits and masks, and they don't see their faces, but it's their faces that make right. this this emote. Like, it, it's incredible. It's incredible. It's really incredible. It's incredible visually. that you can take someone like Steve Zahn, Make him into a monkey, and you still recognize Steve Zahn. Yes. That's insane. Yes. They did an amazing job with forming faces and melding them into their actual counterparts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Really well done. Um, so, so without getting into spoilers, we'll do a quick little wrap-up. I think this movie is amazing. I think, especially if you're into Planet of the Apes movies, if, you're into, if you want to see a legit drama with some great action in it, with strong characters, and you want to cap off this trilogy, you got to see it. You got to see it on the big screen. Yeah, and I mean, just from my perspective, I went in ready to hate this movie. It's true. And I came in a little indifferent. So you know what? That is, I will count that as a win. <laughs> We're counting that as a win. It's a good movie. It's a good movie. Go watch it. Uh, it's absolutely worth the it. The needle has been moved. Now yes. we get to spoil the fuck out of it for about yes. 10 to 15 minutes. Can't wait. I'm very excited um, about this part. I, this movie's fucking great yeah. when it comes to... Uh, the comeuppances of certain characters. Uh, we'll just, I'll just get right into it. I felt that the way Woody Harrelson's character went out in this movie was so... And this is coming from somebody who knew it was coming. Right. I thought it was so well done how... Because Woody Harrelson's character is this ruthless colonel who is desperate to, to save humanity and keep humanity, but in the process has lost his humanity. He is so ruthless. He's willing to kill anyone to protect the rest of the people. He, even his own fucking son, he's willing to execute him. And there's something about that ruthlessness that is, is there's a, po a certain poetic, you know, uh, irony there that he's arguing about saving humanity whilst becoming less and less human. And I felt that he's executing people because this simian flu has evolved. And we'll talk about that in a second, but... That it's now rendering people mute. Yeah, and what I mean, what I really found about just like I mean, he's cold, he's calculated, ruthless. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, addled by grief, which makes him seem absolutely insane, which he he's absolutely not. He's yeah, but he is irrational. Yes. Because when you're emotional, you're irrational. But what was really truly amazing is like he was. I feel like he was just genuinely, genuinely being rational until it is we found 
the he finds the doll. Right. And you're like, oh, that one moment of weakness. He lost it. Creaks in. And then he says. And then when you see that that he gets the doll from Nova, who's been crippled by the simian flu, who can't speak. He sees, he finds the doll, and he takes, and when it when they show it oh in his God. quarters at the end, I literally, in the audience, went, oh, <laughs> like, I thought that was so fucking good, and, and, and it, oh, I just thought it was so good, but, I, I mean, I feel like, like, while I don't disagree with you that, that he was making, the best part about Woody Harrelson is that he's never, he's not wrong. Right. Like. Not wrong. He's not wrong. He's killing people. When other people are telling him to stop, he's killing people to prevent the spread of this flu. It thus far has seemed effective mm-hmm. because he doesn't get it until he content gets contaminated from the outside. Hey, humans need leaders that can make hard decisions, and Wood- <laughs> and and Woody made some pretty hard decisions. He he he, he created slave labor camps. You know what? They he were executed apes. those. They're not slaves. They're working. It's fine. <laughs> Oh, in the story, in the story of the apes being told, there's more than apes. They're less than humans, but they're more than apes. Oh, three? Never mind. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go there. Um. <laughs> some people, some people have said that very same thing about races in in this world a uh, hundred years ago. Yes, they did a hundred years ago. Yes, but you know what? They're of the same species. It's true. Um, I mean, I mean that is the default argument. Human, I am humanist. They are apes. <laughs> they are apes. Well, and the beautiful thing about Dawn is that it's about coexisting. It's Correct. it's it's the, the beautiful thing about Dawn is that it's it's Caesar who wants to coexist and Malcolm who wants to coexist. But then Caesar has to deal with Koba, who who is just was experimented on. He has this this unbridled hatred for humans and then you have uh dreyfus who's gary oldman who has this unbridled hatred for apes and despite these two forces trying to keep war from happening the other two people are just conniving they're working behind the scenes and they fuck everything up yeah which leads to this movie um but i it's what was the other thing i wanted to talk about there was one other thing. We still need to get characters. We do need to get into characters. So what? Okay, go ahead. Let's do. It. You got the notes. You, yeah. you fucking. Yeah. No, I want to talk about Nova. Let's talk about Nova. Let's talk about the little girl whose namesake is, is... the woman in the original Planet yes, of the Apes, which is fine to me. That's not. That doesn't bother me. Sure. Um, Nova. Okay, so the most beautiful display of just pure innocence. In yes, film. very it's, much so. It is. It is the light of humanity. That fucking that flower what, scene. Oh my god! Right. It's what Nova represents that's beautiful yes and, and her stare that look that you got so many times in this movie and you, remind- needed, and you needed that because otherwise you just have yes asshole humanity exactly right um but those eyes uh definitely dr tj eckelberg in my opinion okay and do you get the reference i don't great gatsby oh shit yes okay. yes so not instead of the eyes of like god looking down in indifference right it's the eyes of innocence looking at all of this happening and just taking it in. Taking it in. And then just adapting. And that's what true humanity is, is the ability to adapt. Right. And that's what I think Nova represented in the in the most beautiful part about this mm-hmm. film. Mm-hmm. I love the scene pretty much uh, when Caesar's um, in, in his own private cell and Nova... Get, goes and helps him. It's beautiful. The music in that scene. Michael Giacchino crushes this movie. Yes. The music is astounding in this movie. It, both because it is quiet and soulful and sad, mm-hmm. but also because it gets bombastic too. Like that is a very hard thing to balance. But that whole sequence where she's helping him, it's played very Christ-like to yeah. me. Um, 
And when she's talking with Maurice about, am I an ape? Oh, fuck. And then you get Maurice for the first time. Let's just get into Maurice after this. Yeah. You get into Maurice for the first time looking at her. Um, and he says his words for the first time because mm-hmm. when words happen in this movie from apes that don't normally talk, they matter. it is genuinely just impactful. Um, but with Maurice, you get him staring at her with his really, really close his little eyes. Beady little regardless eyes. of how beady and close they are, you just like, I love this character. Right. Um, a little awkward, but I loved him. Um, and he just, and he points and says, Nova. And you're just like, I'm going to cry. Like It that, means something. That was the emotional impact for me in that movie where it just tied that that's what pulled me in mm-hmm. right there. And and then especially at the at the at the finale with I mean spoiler alert, spoiler I mean we already <laughs> talked about Woody Harrelson. Big fucking spoiler alert yeah. when Caesar's leads them to their what appeared to be Lake Tahoe, I guess. Uh, I think so. <laughs> um somewhere between desert and maybe Lake Havasu, I don't know. I, I, a uh, real gorgeous lake. Couldn't leads, have been far. Leads them to their promised land, sits down. He's got an arrow in his side. He's fucking dying. Yeah. And and he's just looking at, like, he can he can be at rest now. Mm-hmm. And Maurice is, like, you can tell he's struggling. Like, I'm, I, this is important for me to tell you. Right. To say this to you. And, and he crazy. pushes those words out. About how your son will know who you are and what you did for us and shit like that. That's the part where I was like, "Oh shit! Oh, okay." Like it didn't, it didn't pull it out of me. But it got close. It got real fucking close. Now every, um, I feel like almost every ape in this film, except for Bad Ape, um, who spoke, you hung on every word. Mm -hmm. Every time Caesar spoke, and Caesar spoke way more than Bad Ape did in that movie. Oh, of course. Every time he speaks in this film, you're just full, you're pulled in because his face, everything is just so well done. And everything he says has meaning behind it. It's not just yammering. It's not bullshit. Yeah. And he is like, uh, I guess we'll get into Caesar now. Caesar was so wonderfully done. Yeah. Just excellent character. Yeah. I can't like he he's trying to be a voice of reason, but he slips right into this into this like uh uh it's the red when when the bride goes red and kill Bill. Yes, it's he just sees like, red. And then his his visions of Koba and you're just like, Whoa, that's yeah. cool. It's like uh the heart of darkness, like it's slowly overtaking, but Very he, much so. he comes through with when in the Woody Harrelson. It's the cost of war on men, or apes in this case. Yes. Um and that's I think I mean, that's a credit to Andy Serkis, obviously, a huge credit to the performance that he puts together. Um, But that brings up, uh, you know, talking about Caesar, it brings up a really good point in that this is not a war film. No. This is a war with, I think, two major battles in it. Yep. Only one of which is between man and ape. Mm -hmm. The other of which is between man and man. Woody Harrelson's this, this, not deserter, but he's this guy, he's gone rogue. Yeah. He's got his own Alpha and Omega group. Where it would do these crazy fucking bullshit chants, mm-hmm. like 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 oh oh yeah no this is humanity like no they're more animal than than the apes are and that's obviously I think was purposeful right. but the war in this movie is inside people. of it's well the the it's well one it's between people but the real war is in Caesar's soul it's his soul it's will he give in to that rage that Koba so easily gave into or will he stand by what he has stood for this entire time. Um, and that seeing that and seeing the people kind of battle for his soul, his partners, his lieutenants, his loyal friends going with him no matter what yeah. um, to to try and convince him otherwise. Come with the people. Don't don't do this. 
you're going to be just like Koba. And then on the other side, you have Woody Harrelson, who's just when, when they come together, that's a fucking moment. Woody Harrelson says it too. I thought he put it in really good context as a character when he's like all like when it was like Lee and Grant and all these 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 historical opponents yeah. meeting together, and he's like this like this is a moment. Their interactions, although few and far between, are really intense. And you and you see how Caesar is just I mean, he'd fucking kill him if he had the chance right there. Now that's the war of the movie. Now here's an honorable mention for internal wars, war of the movie. Red. Red. Red and that when he turns and blows that dude with the crossbow uh, up, who was also in his own internal war because he was saved by Caesar in the mm-hmm. beginning of the film. Mm-hmm. Um and and he turns and blows him with the grenade, which is great. It was fucking awesome. I loved it. But that character knocked it out. Red is amazing. God, he was great. Red, Red is the one of the, obviously, in Dawn, Koba uh, actually shoots Caesar and is like, the human shot Caesar. Like, the humans did it. We got to go fucking kill him. And Caesar falls into a river, washes away. He's alive, obviously, and he tries to prevent it. But Koba basically takes over the army and leads an attack on the humans. And when Koba dies uh, at Caesar's hand, and one of Caesar's big things was ape not kill ape. Right. Um, And he had to fucking kill Koba. Koba's just this unstoppable force of of anger. Um, Those red was a deserter. Red was on Koba's side and deserted to go against Caesar. So to see that character arc and to see Red at the beginning when he's captured with the humans, yes. Red speaks and it means something. Yes. And it's it's impactful. When he talks, you just I right. want to hear everything you have to say. And when he just and when it's slow motion and everything's blowing up around him and he turns and he sees Caesar still fighting for the apes. Yeah. And he does, he fucking pocket shots that guy. Ugh. And doesn't and I thought the most beautiful part about that is because he, he recognizes where he is. Right. He doesn't even bother no. with trying to defend himself. No. He just takes the bullet. And that part, I was just like, that was one of the more emotional tears for me. I'm just like, whoa. Red is an is – I mean, it's Caesar obviously is, is the gold standard here. But Maurice, Rocket, Red, even the other ones like – even the other girls like Luca and Winter who weren't in there long. But Luca had a great moment with the flower with the girl. Yes. Um, that was called back to amazingly beautiful. And then Winter, <laughs> Winter as the ape, the, the 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 albino ape that sold him out. Right. Like that whole scene with Winter and seeing an animal that is afraid. Like I was afraid. I'm sorry. I was afraid. Like that was really powerful for me too. I thought that for a smaller character, that was an, an amazing performance by a motion capture. Yeah, um, just the ability that they captured so many aspects of humanity from uh, apes of all, from from every kind of ape. That, right. That, that it was not just a bunch of mindless creatures. They right. are uh, human in their nature now. Very much so. Very much so. What else we got? I know you got a lot of notes. So much. Way too much stuff. We'll probably, um, I mean, we'll probably, unless you got we anything can, We pressing. can bust away from characters at this point. Yes. Um, uh, biggest thing... Um, I have like all the stuff on just like the the plot points basic through the movie. How For they, sure. we get into all these tropes and yeah, you visit. Well, it turns it's basically a man on a mission movie. Yeah, and it's it's really well done. Um, 
But we can, I mean, I'm not super worried about that. Um, <laughs> all I care about is that we got the barometer to move for you. A little bit. That's all I care about. Just a little bit. Um, I, I think there was there the one phrase that I really wanted to call, it's like a Jurassic Park thing. Okay. Where I'm feeling like, okay, we're, we're getting into this. And I'm thinking like, God creates man, man destroys God, man creates ape, man destroys man, right. apes inherit the earth. Apes inherit and the that's earth. the only way that I can really genuinely digest this and not true. be super mad all the time because apes will never destroy men. <laughs> Um, Although, as we mentioned, they did they did stack the deck for the apes. I mean, not only did we wipe out a huge portion, never discussed how large the portion was wiped out in either Dawn or this one, right. but a huge portion of the of the uh, human population is killed from this virus, and then I imagine plenty more killed themselves with infighting. And then, obviously, in this situation, we see that infighting. Even the military, even the same factions of military can't coincide with one another. They're basically killing each other. Yeah. They've just straight up start shooting at one another yeah, at I the mean, end of this movie. I mean, the big troubles, like with uh, like war in general, is generally the strongest and the best go, and then the strongest and the best die. And right. all that you're left with are the cattle of people that right. remain. Um, and that kind of really enforces what happens in Charleston Hessen's Planet of the Apes, where people are basically cattle. Apes. Cattle. Yeah. They are slaves. Um, so, I, I I mean, honestly, they tied it in so well. Right. Everything worked together because I had all these, like, pre-ready-to-go rants about, like, well, there's no technology. Right. Blah, blah, blah. But you know what? I mean, what I feel this movie should be called uh, is plan- or, uh, <laughs> Planet of the Apes because monkeys are faster at climbing trees like <laughs> that's really what this movie is because spoiler alert everybody dies from a fucking avalanche all the all of the human i mean we don't know if that's the remaining armed forces True. of the west coast we don't know you know we're basically being told this isolated story yeah. and in this isolated story that is the what seems to be the remainder of the armed forces and they all get wiped the fuck out by an avalanche yep. and, and because the monkeys can climb trees. Yep. They inherit the earth. So I wasn't mad in the end. Like no. I was just like, you know, it what? wasn't yeah. monkeys defeat. Despite the fact that at the beginning I thought that they did a very good job because the beginning is the only actual monkey on human skirmish in the movie, and they do a pretty good job of showing like, okay, humanity's kicking the shit out of the apes, but then the cavalry comes, and it's just a rain of spears. Okay, let's talk about the first fight. Number one. At this point, these guys are an elite military unit. Or they're the cattle. And what do they do? What do these morons do? They go from a lower position to a higher position. It's the kill zone. It's the dumbest thing you can do when they start raining fire instead of coming up, trying to flank around the sides, maybe calling something in. There's lots of things they could have done. What do they do? They just start shooting. And what happens? They get surrounded and slaughtered. you got to imagine these aren't the smartest military minds that we have left right now. That's true. As you said. Uh, Also, movie movement that I don't want to disregard. It's something that I found incredible. Uh, After that scene, when uh, it's the point of view from Caesar as he's walking through the camp Mm -hmm. uh, towards the humans that have been captured post this first idiotic battle, um, it is a very gladiator-esque feel as all the apes are saluting they're as all he's giving him his by. hand and they're and they're just like clearing the way and it felt just like the introduction to gladiator when he's walking through it's the true. snowy That's a great point the snowy fields of germania and it is so cool it is and it's also a great introduction of of who caesar is to this group 
without ever having seen the first two movies. Yeah. That and and that's the beautiful thing about this movie is that they tell so much with without saying by saying so little. Yeah, there was they showed they don't tell. There was almost no lines in this movie. It was all hand gestures. It was uh it was reading subtitles which I'm I'm a big fan of reading subtitles right. in general. Um but the ability to just tell a story so effectively and pull actually emotional things out of stuff. Mm-hmm. I, that's why I'm just like, okay, this is a this is a good film. Right. Like, like from a filmmaking standpoint, great. Still mad about the fact that you know humans love. Well, it. as we said, and I think this is a good good way to wrap it up. But we have two coworkers who uh, we have Jessica and Miranda, who are two coworkers of ours. Who, and it could have been someone else, too. It, it might have even been Becca. It might have even been Melanie of all of our coworkers. They went and saw Pain and Gain, the Michael Bay movie Pain and Gain, which uh, – and I, this is going somewhere. They came back and said it was a terrible movie. Now, I disagree. I don't think it's a terrible movie. I think Absolutely that movie's not. actually really well made. I think it's really funny. Yeah. Um, but what they – their biggest problem was that it's a, a pretty well-made movie about horrible shit-heel people yeah. doing horrible, terrible things. And so they couldn't – they couldn't um, recognize the difference between the two uh, and until I kind of explained it and we, we kind of broke it down and I got them to agree that, yeah, it's a really well-made movie about really shitty people that I hated Absolutely. and I hated watching a movie about. And I think we've gotten a little bit better at that because I don't think you hate Caesar because no, obviously you've no, talked about this. Caesar's a good character. Every, all these characters are good. Right. Uh, I mean, it conveyed a gr- lot of great emotions right. and it used a lot of great effects. I just wish I gave a shit. <laughs> And that's it. I just wish I wasn't rooting for humanity the yeah, whole time. There's a lot of movies. Well, that's, uh, you know, we, we talked about it before. Like, it's very interesting that this entire film series has managed to attempt and succeed for the most part. Some yeah. people presently, not you know, notwithstanding, <laughs> to make people root against their species. Like, especially when all you're given is Woody Harrelson and these fucking crazy Alpha Omega guys. Just screaming, yeah. we are the beginning, we are the end. Uh, like insane. Yeah. Well, that's I love that because that's the only way you can make this movie work. Yeah, just have a cult. Yeah. Just have this crazy offshoot and, and have it be that. Um, And I think, just time-wise, I think that's going to do it for us. Okay. Uh, definitely a, a big fan of this movie. Obviously, you, you enjoyed it for what it was, but go humanity. Go humanity. Fuck uh, the apes. Uh, go human always. Gotcha. Always. Uh, thank you for for being a part of this. Thank you for being a guest host. Uh, we'll probably I can't imagine we won't have you have you back at some point in time. But otherwise, that is going to do it for us. As always, like, share, and subscribe wherever you listen, whether it be on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play. Also, don't forget to follow us on social media, whatever social media you use: Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at the Popcorn Diet. Other than that, we'll see you next time at the next movie. Go humanity. Go humanity. This is your worst (laughs) movie, buddy. Out. (laughs) Bye.